Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Like sitting at a desk and I really wanted to travel and I just did not have the means whatsoever, especially uh, with my student loan payments coming up and rent in New York City is extremely expensive. So I just didn't see an outlet of when I was going to travel. And that really freaked me out. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks so much for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire. I just realized uh, before I started recording that I have a pajama job. I'm in my pajama pants right now, which is unusual because I don't usually podcast in my pajamas. So if you're in your pajamas right now, we're having a little pajama party. Anyway, my guest today does not have a pajama job. She has been working in the yachting industry, and it's been a while since we had a guest on that is an expert on a particular travel job, another way to travel the world, yet another way to wander and get paid to do it. So I want you to stick around even if you are not somebody that thinks you're going to work in the yachting industry, because we also talk about serendipity, how uh, serendipity led to her career in the yachting industry. We talk about getting support from others. You know, sometimes people think what you are doing might be sketchy or weird if you're traveling across the world whether it's to work a job or some other reason, and they're just not used to that lifestyle, will they get used to it? Uh, My guest, Heather, talks about that. She talks about why she left her corporate job after just six months. And there are a lot of other little nuggets splashed throughout this interview that I know you're going to get a lot of value out of. So I hope you'll tune in for the entire interview, even if you're not on the hunt for a travel job right now. Uh, But if you are, this is going to be something you may want to explore. This was an industry that I hadn't heard about, yachting, working in the yachting industry. And we got the full, more than the 101, I would say, we got the full scoop 
from Heather, who's a member of this listening community. And by the way, I just wanted to mention, this is why I'm always encouraging you all to write and share some of your tips and your expertise, because I might just have you on the show if it's a topic we haven't covered. My email is jason at zero to travel.com. And that's exactly how Heather ended up on the show today, because she just wrote and told me about this industry and that it might be something we want to tell you about. And I said, hey, why don't you come on the show? And we can talk about it and you can share your knowledge with this community. And the more we can share knowledge amongst each other here in this listening community or in any other communities that you're involved with, you know, if you have some knowledge to share on something, get out there and share it. It's a wonderful thing to be able to uh, help people do a certain thing or just give them your perspectives or your ideas. And uh, if you are an expert at something or if you know more than the average person about something, find a way to share that. It's always a good thing. You can benefit your local community. Um, you could do it like this on a podcast. You can do it in a lot of different ways. You could just do it one-on-one. Maybe somebody <laughs> asks you a question or there's a friend you want to help out. It's always a beautiful thing to share your knowledge. So get out there and share your knowledge. At the end of this interview, I'm going to share a little bit of my knowledge around working travel jobs and some of the benefits around that, which you'll hear a couple in this interview. But I did work touring jobs where I was just traveling around getting paid in the events industry and the music industry. I didn't have a home and uh, that allowed me to see the world. And I just wanted to share a few of the benefits around working travel jobs at the end of this show. I want to talk a little bit about serendipity as well. And I also want to give a shout out to all of you listening from a small town. A small town shout out for the small towners out there, the small townies, whatever you want to call yourselves, uh, because I had a listener from a small town write in. She had a lot of nice things to say. And I know some of you in this community are from a small town. Maybe you're in a small town listening to this right now. So a specific shout out just for you. Now, let's slip and slide into this interview. And I will see you on the other side. Okay, I'm on the line with my new friend, Heather Steele. How you doing, Heather? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I got an email from you, and I'll, I'll read a snippet of it so people can understand where this is coming from, because uh, you had listened to the sailing podcast episode uh, I just had recently done at the time you sent the email, and you said, I'm from a similar world, but working on motor yachts ranging from 130 feet to 250 feet as a stewardess. It's a great career option for people interested in hospitality and travel. However, it is not for everyone. Tight quarters, very picky guests, and nonstop moving. The perks are worth it for those who enjoy the work hard, play hard mentality and love the sea. And you mentioned not having ever seen a podcast or listened to a podcast about this, about the yachting industry. And if I knew about it, and I I guess we were just chatting a little bit before we started recording, you didn't really expect me to actually invite you on this podcast to share your expertise. But anyway, here you are. So thank you. Yeah, here I am. Thanks for having <laughs> me. And I love I love to share it with people that are interested in travel. And maybe they're not, you know, the typical nine to five people and, and just give them an opportunity to learn about it and share about it. 
All right, cool. I'm always serious. Like I think people listen to me in the podcast and they're like, all right, yeah. I'm like, get in touch. Let me know if there's a, a episode you want to hear or something you have to share with the community. And then when people like you come along and you have something valuable to share that's going to help people, then that's how we do this. This is like yeah, let's how, do it. <laughs> how we do this community thing, right? So anyway, if you're listening, just a little side note there, get in touch if you have something to share or uh, if you just want to uh, meet a to put something out there on the podcast, into podcast world. So anyway, uh, we have a lot to dig into. But of course, first, I got to learn a little bit more about you because I have no idea how or why you got started working in the yachting industry. Like was, yeah, all right, first of all, yachting, was that part of your growing up in any way, shape or form? Not, no, not at all. Um, I grew up in New England, so I was around boats all the time, but they're mostly sailboats. And my family had like a little motor fishing boat and I absolutely did not like it at all. Oh, really? <laughs> I would get seasick all the time. There was just the, it was just a, like a, it wasn't a nice fishing boat. It's just like your man's man fishing boat. So I never thought of maritime as a career at all. But so I went to college in New York, graduated, uh, was working in corporate America, so to speak, and uh, met this yacht crew while I was out one night and I had no idea. I was like, what's a yacht? <laughs> no idea. Um, and so they kind of gave me a little background knowledge and explained it to me. And I was kind of getting burnt out of the city and uh, I had student loans to pay for. <laughs> Yay. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was already ready to try something else. And so six months later, they told me to go down to Fort Lauderdale, uh, get some certifications, and I was on my first boat. Okay, hold on. <laughs> so first <laughs> of all, I love that you used to get seasick all the time growing up because that gives me a little bit of encouragement because during the sailing episode and having gone sailing for the first time this summer, I was like, all right, this could be cool. I can imagine like spending days or weeks on a boat, but... I think I might get seasick in the rough seas, and I do, and I have before, and it's awful. So does the seasickness thing go away? Uh, yeah, I think you get better at managing it. Um, I mean, I was on a 25-foot boat when I was younger in just rough seas. Like, we never looked at the weather. Well, we did, but if the sun was out and it was, you know, two to four feet, eh, it's fine. <laughs> Deep sea fishing. Um but on the yachts, they're a little more stable. I mean, there are definitely are rocky places and passages can be long and you don't, you can't always expect the best weather conditions. Uh, but you give it a few days and usually your seasickness works itself out and you get used to it. Okay. That's good to know because I mean, that might be a weird place to start off, but maybe somebody's listening to this and they're like, Oh, I get seasick. This isn't for me. <laughs> so there you go. There's a little dose of no, encouragement. No, you can definitely, I mean, you can, depending on the severity of your seasickness, like you can always work on it. Um, I learned how to work with Dramamine, like I'm serving and I, I'm drowsy, but it's all good. <laughs> you <laughs> just like out. <laughs> half drunk, but not drunk serving people. They're like, why are you bringing yeah. me this random thing? It's like, I'm, I'm sleeping. I'm sleepwalking actually. <laughs> and especially uh, when guests get sick and then you have to help them, even though you're a little sick yourself. Right. So you just have to put your somehow be a superhero and just put on the cape and <laughs> act like you're fine. 
Well, this is where like the character building elements of the job come in, I'm sure. All right. So what were you doing in corporate America? Um, I was doing real estate and construction. Is that what you studied in school or? Yeah. I, well, my concentration was hotel development. So I was working with a developer in New York City um, and then they had their own construction sector. So I was helping um, just with anything from contracts and admin stuff to being on site and doing walkthroughs. What made you pick that major? Um, I just love, I just love the whole aspect of creating something from start to finish. It's an industry that not many women are in. So it was, it's interesting. And, and my stepdad was a contractor. So I had a background knowledge in building materials and that sort of thing. And with my love for hospitality, it just seemed perfect to go together. And, uh, I really enjoyed it and had wonderful bosses and a wonderful team. So it worked out. But how long were you working in corporate America? Couldn't have been that long. No, no. (laughs) It was about six months. You lasted six months. (laughs) You're like, I really love this major. It's super interesting. I'm going to do it for six months. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just like sitting at a desk and I really wanted to travel and I just did not have the means whatsoever, especially uh, with my student loan payments coming up and rent in New York City is extremely expensive. So I just didn't see an outlet of when I was going to travel. And that really freaked me out. Right. That's the key. When you're looking years ahead and you're just, you're seeing like, how am I going to, like this treadmill just kind of keeps going and it's going to keep going for a long time unless I get off of it and do something different. Right. Right. And I think that's, that's something I really pride myself on is just like taking the leap because there's never, there's never going to be the right time and you just got to rip the bandaid off and do it. Right. And with the student loans bearing down and everything, I think there are a lot of people that can relate to that, whether it was student loans for you before or now, or maybe it's a mortgage or something like that. We all have these external, I think, um, challenges we have to overcome. And they, they can easily be used as an excuse, right? Like you could have said, well, I've got these student loans. I should just, you know, start making a dent in them, do this for a few years, figure out the travel thing later. But you didn't want to wait. So that's cool. Let's talk about this serendipitous moment. I'm guessing this was maybe at a bar where you met a yacht crew or something. Was this <laughs> yeah. a night out? Like what? Yeah. How did that go down? So they had just dropped off guests. And so normally you drop off guests and your crew is like one big family, which is something I also really love about it. And so you all go out together, you um, go have a couple drinks and just relax because you've you've had guests on for it depends seven days or a month or, and you just, you just need to get off the boat. (laughs) And so I met them there and then just randomly, like you were out with some friends or something and okay. Yeah. And we all just start talking and just how you do, (laughs) how you just meet people. And, um, the next day they invited me to go and just look at the yacht. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And, um, so I kind of, they gave me a little tour and I kind of got to see where they sleep and what they do. And at first it was really interesting because I was kind of comparing the yacht to a building. 
So I was looking in the bilges and all the pipes and how everything works. Yeah, you had your sort of infrastructure (laughs) construction hat on. Right. I'm like, how does this all function, especially on salt water, which just constantly erodes everything? Um, So that's why crew are so important to keep the asset looking perfect and brand new. Um, But yeah, they gave me some tips. We we traded contacts and they're like, if you're serious, let us know. Were you pretty serious right off the bat? I mean, you were, I, you were there uh, for the tour, I guess. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, I don't know. It just lit me up. It seemed like such an interesting lifestyle and, um, it, it definitely attracted me to the fact that I was telling my friends about it. Um, I was talking to my parents and some people called it a little sketchy. (laughs) They're like, are you sure you want to just go out on a, on a billionaire's yacht and work for them? Like, what if something happens? How does, how does that work? It was just, um, just not understanding the whole industry for people that they were just a little bit cautious for me. Especially for the people that love you. And you can imagine how that would could seem i mean immediately you start getting protective and thinking all right you're in the middle of the sea somebody acts up or does something what what happens what kind of recourse do you have how are you going to get out of that situation i mean these are all kind of questions we should talk about i think you just touched on something really important and this is the case for a lot of different travel jobs or seasonal jobs and certainly i can relate to this coming from my time like working as a touring manager and things like that is it's not just a job, it is a lifestyle, like you said. And there is a big difference between like a job you go to, like you have your job, then you have your social life and everything. And, and when it's a lifestyle, everything's sort of intertwined. I guess it really depends on you as an individual, what you like. I quite enjoyed the lifestyle of touring. It sounds like you're enjoying the lifestyle of, wh- what do I call this industry? Like if you were going to Google this, what would you Google? Uh, you Google yachting industry. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just just yeah. to find jobs. Yachting, in... uh, yacht crew. If you're interested in crew, um, I've heard super yacht or something. Is super yacht yes. a term? Super yacht's a term. Mega yacht's a term. Yachting, I think you'll get the most internet hits on, and you can kind of explore and branch out from there. Okay. I mean, we're just so dependent with internet research, right? But. <laughs> You know, you have these conversations when you're out and about that can always lead to new things in life. And I mean, definitely for me, the rent, like the conversation you had at the bar with this yachting crew that turned into this, what I guess now four year. Uh, right. All just through word of mouth. It's right. crazy. It's just important because I think you got to have your antennas up, like not like you're always looking for opportunities or looking to get something out of a conversation. I don't mean in that way, but I just mean kind of like if you're interested in travel, and you're doing a lot of research online, or whatever, that's great. But like other things can happen outside of that. So I, I just think being open w- when you hear things and kind of talk to people is, is a, an important thing. Yeah, no, exactly. And just, just really taking your environment and like you said, just being open to different opportunities and not be closed off to someone's lifestyle just because it doesn't fit yours or you never heard of it before. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're having these, con- you, you go on this tour, you check it out, you're kind of mulling things over, you have these people's contact information, they obviously sound like, I mean, I don't know if it's just them or the whole industry, but uh, like, it sounds like they were pretty sort of helpful and accepting in 
in bringing somebody new into the mix, which is always super nice. And then at some point you just say, hey, I'm actually going to go for this. And you reach back <laughs> yeah. out to them. Is that? Yeah. And um, they're always, it, it seemed like they're always just hesitant because of course people find it really fascinating at first. And then you spend all your time on someone helping them get into it. And then they back out or, you know, they feel like people waste their time a lot. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, yeah, that's so cool. I totally want to do it. Give me all this information. Write me all these, you know, uh, long messages of how to do it. And then you just never hear from them. So they were actually pretty surprised. Like I showed up six months later in Florida and they're like, oh, my God, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, I'm not going to regale you with old tour stories, but I can tell you that there were, well, every day I was out working events and traveling around, there was at least one, but usually multiple people coming up to me and saying, oh, I, I could do this job. How could I do this job? And I'd be like, you know, at a certain point, I just started being like, all right, so you want to be on the road for months, never go home, don't have a home. Like, you know, I realized that they're like, oh, no, that's not for me. Or like, they would still say they were serious, but 99.8% of the people that I even spent time with or answered questions for never got back to me, never took anything seriously. It was probably like not even a handful, like a few people that I actually took the information I gave them and did something with it. So Right. And you want to help people and you don't want to get jaded about them not responding or, or not, not because I'm so passionate about it and I think it's such a good industry for the right people that it's like a missed opportunity. <laughs> like, just try it. Like, what's the big deal? You go back to land and it's fine. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we're, that is something I want to talk about. I'm earmarking this uh, for the right people because we should, mm -hmm. we should get into like who yes. this is for, who <laughs> it's not for. But uh, let's talk first about the certification. It sounds like you were down in Florida. You mentioned getting some kind of certifications. Is that something that's required? Like maybe you can just quickly give us the 101 on like the types of roles there are, what may require certification and may not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is some certification required, which, uh, so there's a week long course. It's called your STCW. So that's for your, all your sea life, uh, safety, learning how to inflate, flip over a life raft, that kind of thing. They make you tread water for a certain amount of time. So you have, you have to be pretty physically fit and be able to, you have to be strong, you know, uh, because you can get into situations and you have to take it seriously. And then you, you also take uh, like your first aid, just very basic first aid, and you have to get something called an ENG one. So what that is, it's so very specialized doctor clears you uh, to work on the yacht. So it's it's just a little bit of a more intense physical, but it's it's nothing too in depth. And if depending on where you want to work, I always recommend I took an interior course to kind of get myself familiar with the interior of the boat and being a yacht stewardess. Uh, so that was like service, flowers, um, housekeeping, and just general yacht 101, how you, how you should act, how you should be. Um, just, just good like crewmanship, 
qualities you should uh, try to attain. And um, on deck side, you can take something called a powerboat level two. And I'm not real. I haven't taken the course, but I know it helps you get familiar with driving um, the tenders. So those are the small boats that uh, the yacht pulls behind. And all the water toys. The and small boats that are like the same size yeah. as most regular people's boats. <laughs> I know. Yeah, like the, the 35, it's like 20 to 35 foot boats that they tow behind the massive the crappy boat. little <laughs> Yeah, they're like, boat. ah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, there's, so, and you can take these courses um, in big yachting capitals. So Fort Lauderdale is one. Uh, Antibes is one. There are some in Cape Town, South Africa. I know you can get certified in Australia. So those are those are like the main hubs okay. for, all, for all of this stuff. A couple quick questions around that. Did you get hired first, then you take the courses, or is it vice versa? No, you have to take the courses first, okay. especially when you're green. Um, yeah, you need that STCW because it's, uh, it's maritime law. Okay. It, would that yeah. be the bare minimum? Like if you were going to do the bare minimum to get hired, would it be the STCW? Is w, that... yeah. STCW and the, um, the ENG one. Okay. And what are the approximate costs for those types of things? Sounds like it's something you have to do in a physical destination. Like you can't do it online, for example. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you have to do it in person. Uh, the STCW costs you a thousand. Okay. For, and that's five days. Okay. And um, the ENG one is around $200. Okay. And an interior course is like another five days, and that was 1000 Okay. And that was like a sort of a bonus one that you did. Yeah. It just it helps you because it, it is hard to get a job when you don't have a lot of experience. Okay. So, and you were in it to win it. I mean, you're taking these courses, you're paying for yeah, it. Yeah. I like, like moved down. I, I sold everything. I had one, one suitcase. Yeah. And what did you so, just stay in a hotel or with some friends or something? Um, that's another thing that's really interesting. Um, there's these things called crew houses Okay. that are down here. So it's kind of nice when you first get in the industry to be in a crew house because you, whoever owns the, the house has connections so they can set you up with uh, day work on yachts and things like that. And then you're also around other people that are in, in your same situation too and applying for jobs and taking the courses. So you start to build your network there. Hmm. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's like a built-in yes. hub. Okay, so when you sign up for these courses saying, you, it sounds like you were in Fort Lauderdale, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you then get hooked in with a, like, do they hook you in with a crew house? Can you stay at one right away or what were you doing? Yeah. Um, all the crew houses are just owned individually and they have, um, like Facebook pages and just through word of mouth or they'll give you, Oh, I know this woman, she's got a spot open. Here's her phone number. <laughs> and you just call her up and it's, it's not, it's not very formal. So they're like, Hey, uh, this girl, Heather, like she's taking the courses. She's getting in this industry. Sure. You can stay at our crew house and then you're immediately plugged into the community. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely helps. Which is a great sort of, if you want to call it a hack, but I mean, you're going to start getting work (laughs) and meeting people right away. Right. Exactly. Okay. So that's the certification. And I'd say that's kind of 
a great one-on-one on breaking into the industry, right? Like you have to take these courses, stay at a crew house. Do you do those two things? You're probably going to land a job in the industry, right? Exactly. Like unless you're, you know, some <laughs> psycho person know. or, you know, I yeah. mean, you, there's no guarantees, but yeah, you know, it's, it's important to be like, to be well-groomed and uh, be eager and excited. And cause I mean, the people that are interviewing you, they're interviewing you for a job, but you're also going to be living with them 24 seven. So you have, you have to be able to click with the people you're interviewing with. And that doesn't always happen. Their crews have different, you know, um, different interests, different ideas, you know? Um, so it doesn't always have to, not every boat is going to be the right fit for you. Right. Okay. Well, let's talk about some of the roles and, uh, we can stay within the, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're going to be captaining one of these things, like, <laughs> you know, so no. we're talking about sort of within the realm of yeah. kind of your first few years, the types of roles, uh, and like how long typical contracts are and pay and things like that. I, I think that yeah, could sure. be, and however you want to mix that up, that makes sense. I'd love to get your, your expertise yeah. on that. Um, so there's, okay. So we'll start with, uh, maybe like the ranks, um, so you come in as an entry-level crew either on exterior or interior. So it's a deckhand or stew. So stew's on inside, deckhand's on outside. And on the deck side, as you work up, you work up to lead deckhand. There's a bosun that, that controls the deck team and like daily tasks. And then above bosun, there are officers, uh, depending on the size of boat you're on. Um, and then they're in charge of mainly uh, a lot of safety, uh, stuff going on on the boat, all of, uh, the fire equipment, maintaining all of the expiration dates, uh, running drills with the crew, that kind of thing, uh, crowd control. And then you have your captain. So he, I mean, he's on the line for everyone on the boat. I mean, his, his license, uh, is responsible for every guest, every crew member, so they have a huge responsibility to make sure um, their passages their passages are safe and everything they're doing is safe. Um, especially there's a Maripool guidelines, so you're answering to whatever flag state your boat is. So they're in charge of keeping track of all of that stuff. I won't get too far into it. Um, and then there's the interior side, so. There are stewardesses, uh, second stew, chief stew, um, interior manager, and purser on larger yachts. And um, some of these stews can have uh, dual skills. Like if you're into massage, you can uh, be a stew masseuse, which is a huge thing. Yeah. Is stew short for steward or stewardess? Uh, Steward is is male and stewardess is female. So you can have uh, male stewards in the industry or female stews. And same on the deck side. You can have female deckhands or male deckhands. But stew, that word is short is shorthand for steward or stewardess, correct? Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Okay, yeah. so it sounds to me like, and maybe I'm generalizing, but deckhand stuff or the outside is all about sort of the, bo- the operation of the boat, whereas the interior more is the hospitality type of stuff. Is that accurate? Exactly. And we do have, uh, we do maintain the entire interior of the vessel. So all of, all of the materials, the stone, the marble, uh, silks, um, all of that stuff. Um, 
And then there's engineers. Engineers are extremely important. <laughs> there's There should be at least one engineer on board. Sometimes there's two or three. Um, and then there's your chefs. So usually boats will have one chef, but larger yachts will have a guest chef and like a sous chef for crew and help with guest meals. That's who's on the boat. Okay. <laughs> and uh, like the size of the crew, if you want, I mean, I know it depends on the boat and everything, but if you just want to give a rough estimate or range. Um, I would say average. Um, well, let's say like a hundred foot boat might have five crew and a 200 foot boat is going to have anywhere from 15 to 20 crew. Okay. So it, and that gives you, and we can talk a little bit about the social aspects later, but that gives you a little bit of an idea of how many people you're living yeah. and working with, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. As far as, uh, pay and contracts and things like that, again, we're not going to hold you to it because we don't have to go through each position and pay, but somebody like you who has, who broke in and now has been doing it for four years, would you mind sharing like the pay ranges you've kind of gotten over the years? Also how long typically like a contract lasts, like how, how much are you like on and working versus not working? Are you paid in the in-between time? How does that all work? So pay ranges, uh, like starting level pay for entry level stew would be, uh, 3000 us dollars per month, us dollars or euros. Um, so, but again, per month boats work. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Work at different euros or dollars. Um, and all the way up to nine grand a month if you're chief stewing a, a large yacht or your interior manager of a large yacht. I mean, this is a career and you, there is a lot of money to be made. Um, but again, you have to, you have to go through all that experience, all those experiences and retain good references and, and all that to get to those higher level positions. Sure. It's a, it's a career. Like you wouldn't show up just like you yeah, wouldn't you go to an just office show up and, and be Chief Stu. Hey, I want to travel, man. Like, let's just, <laughs> yeah. I'll do the yeah, nine grand a month thing. gig. I'll take that one. <laughs> exactly. It's a professional environment. Right. And as far as um, like your contracts go, uh, norm is like 30 to 40 days of time off, which is hard when you're first getting into it. But um, that's the standard. And then there are boats that are switching to more of a rotation, which is amazing. So you'll work five months, have one month off, no matter where the boat is, no matter what's going on, you have those two months out of the year and they'll pay for your flight home. Or if somewhere you want to go is closer than your flight home, they'll send you there. Again, this all depends on the contract of the boat. Um, and then as you get up to those more senior level positions on larger yachts, you can get into a two and two rotation. So that's, that's like amazing. And you're working half the year and you're still getting paid. Oh, so, okay. That's what that means. Yeah. So you're working six months, but you're getting paid for a year. Yeah. And sometimes there are, uh, you won't get paid your full salary. Maybe it's half or 75%. And that's with one private owner. Like you're, you're sort right. of hired by the private owner, right? Like you are yeah. essentially, you're working for the owner of the yacht. You're not working for like a, a yachting company that hires crews, right? Like you're working for that individual. Yeah. I, I like to, I like to describe it like every boat is a different company, 
because they all have different pays. They have different schedules. Like itinerary is a really big deal, like where the boat's going to be. Um, if you want to be stateside or you want to be in Europe or do a worldwide itinerary, like that's all very, very, they're all very different. Um, and again, like how many crew that's, that's a big deal too. Um, like if you want to have a lot of friends or you like more close knit, uh, yachts. So all of these factors go into what you want. And as you go through the industry, you kind of find what you like and what you don't like. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you're starting out and just to clarify, because you mentioned like the 30 days off or whatever, is that, is it usually that 30 days off after five months? Like you would, you usually get hired for five months and then you will have like a 30 day break or is it like, Hey, I'm working for two weeks and then I'm off for 30 days and I'm working for another three weeks. Um, so yeah, the contracts are usually when you get hired as full time, you're on there full time. Like you could be on there a year, you could be on there two years, three years, four years. Um, but usually it's a yearly contract. That's another thing that maybe a lot of people won't like. It's great if you can choose when you can take time off, but a lot of the time your time off depends on what the boat's doing. And if you're in season or if you have charters, you can't take time off. And sometimes you're, you can be forced to quit. Like, let's say there's a wedding going on. It's your best friend's wedding. And Sometimes, sometimes boats just say no, (laughs) you know, and you've got to quit so they can get someone new on board to take over. You know, Heather, I I will, I will tell you a little secret just between you and me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, I, I got invited to a few, uh, quite a few weddings, like in my twenties when a lot of people were getting married, you know, being on the road, uh, weddings are expensive to go to, man. You spend a lot of your travel money just to go to somebody's wedding for a weekend. I love you all. I'm sorry I couldn't make it to all your weddings because I had to work. But uh, also, it was kind of a nice excuse to not. I was like making money instead of spending it. Not that I, I have anything against weddings, but but it's it, a big commitment. It is. I mean, if you have a, like a big friend circle and like people start getting married, it can get freaking insane. It's crazy. Like it's crazy. You can literally spend thousands of thousands of dollars going to weddings, and like I think a lot of people can relate to this. And it's like. You, sometimes you got to put your foot down, you know, yeah. this is a total sidebar, yeah. little rant, but, and maybe this is like, no. you know, two strong cups of coffee <laughs> in or whatever, but, um, I know, right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sure. No. Anyway. Cause I mean, our time off is really, really valuable, especially like, you know, you being a tour manager, you're constantly moving. Your schedule is not your own. So when you do have that freedom to, to have your own schedule, you're like, okay, well, I've got to, got to do this and I've got to go over here and I've got to see this person and right and then you're going back to work (laughs) right exactly (laughs) all right so uh generally what is the busy season sure um so they're dual seat you can have um single or dual season so your winter season well you have your holidays if you're in yachting you are always going to work on the holidays (laughs) you're you know, I, this was the first year I had Christmas at home in three years. Um, first time being off for New Year's. So you work that whole holiday season and up until around March. And then there's, there's like an April to May period where boats do crossings. So let's say Caribbean, Caribbean in winter, and they'll do a few week crossing to get to the med. And then they'll do 
June to September charters in the med and then come back and try to fit in a yard period before the next holiday season. Okay. I have a couple other sort of logistical questions, but also want to get into the social life thing and some of the more travel stuff as well. What's like the day-to-day scene? Like, are you just on call 24 (laughs) seven? How does it all work? Um, Okay. So when you have guests on, you are on that boat the whole time. I mean, you get uh, breaks during the day. So Max, you're allowed to work. You have hours of rest that you have to keep up with to follow the flag state uh, protocols and laws. Um, And so the maximum you're allowed to work is 14 to 15 hours. But I've had, I mean, I've had days where, yeah, I'm, I'm on my feet for 17 hours. You know, it's just when you're busy, your main goal and your priority is those guests. When they're on, like, they're your whole life. They come first, you know, more than anything. Um, so you're dedicated. You're so dedicated to them. And uh, so when they're off, you you work a normal, usually a nine to five schedule, and you're doing all the interior maintenance rounds. Uh, so just just maintaining all those fabrics and materials, and you're taking care of. Um, we call it the crew mess. So it's like our living quarters. So you're maintaining the crew mess, uh, all of those things. Yeah. So, so it's, it's busy. It's, it's not for someone who doesn't like to work hard. Cleaning up your crew mess. (laughs) All right. So you're always cleaning up after everyone. (laughs) Right. That's, that's the job. It's in many ways demanding it's, it's, and this is where we're getting, it's like a certain type of person. Right. And, I mean, I think like you would know this better than anybody working in this industry, having like just had the conversation with people in the bar, then you're down in Fort Lauderdale and the next thing you know, you're on the boat and it's the reality of it. You you can only prepare your mind for that situation so much. You can only visualize the situation so much until you're living in it. It's hard to really know how you're going to react with uh, to things like being with the same group of people for months on end, like being on call, working a 17 hour day and like servicing people. Like I imagine the right person has to be very hospitality oriented oriented and willing to set ego aside, I guess, and, and, and serve no, people. And- totally. The ego thing is, is a really big deal and to not be above it, you know, cause some people, I mean, it's not a glamorous job. You're cleaning toilets and you're waiting on people 24 seven. And, um, some people are just, I'm over it. I can't do this anymore. So it, t- it takes it takes a special type of person, that's for sure. And you do hit those breaking points when you're just, I'll give you like a tiny little story where, so we were maybe our last day, second to last day of a seven-day charter, and these guests just loved to party. We loved them. <laughs> They're all like young people. So we got along so well. And they just loved espresso martinis. I mean, morning, afternoon, night, and they're very intense, (laughs) especially when you're trying to run dinner service of 10 people and keep everything on track. And um, so I just put the dessert plates down for the night. I'm like, okay, we made it through dinner service and everybody orders an espresso martini. I'm like, okay, all right, Get, get everything prepared, get everything ready. And I, and I just picked up the tray full of them and I turned and I don't know what happened, but I was just tired. 
and one fell and knocked them all over. Oh, no. And it was just a time where I just wanted to evaporate. Right. I just wanted to leave. You're just like, you just like throw the train, dive off the boat and swim to land. Exactly. I'm like, oh, okay. But it's those, it's in those moments that really builds you as a crew member to just take a deep breath. They can wait another five minutes. Let's just make some more. It's not that big of a deal. So you kind of have to take yourself out of those situations mentally sometimes and just look at the bigger picture. What are some other things that this experience has taught you about yourself as a person? Oh, wow. Um, I, I think it's taught me I'm really good with people and I'm, I have a lot of endurance in, in social situations, which is, a huge, huge help. And, um, just always putting that service face on, whether it's two in the morning or it's 6am and just being able to think really quick on your feet. And I think it was, I, uh, I learned how to manage stress really well. Hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever they wanted, it was just take a deep breath, because there's, there's no one else that's going to do it for you. You've got to do it anyway. Yeah. So why stress out about it? Right. I mean, that's, I think, a great example of a, a lesson that you can only learn through experience, right? Yeah, and like exactly. Mind training and, and, and like being put in those situations first and then learning, teaching yourself, I guess, the proper way to response and, and or respond in some way. <laughs> yeah, because... Yeah, on the boats, everyone feeds off each other. So that's really important to not lose your head and guests feel it. You know, they they can feel what's going on behind the scenes, even though we try to mask everything as much as possible and create this fairy tale experience for them. So and it's it's just so important how you communicate with your crew. I'm sure things so, happen, you know, that such and such was dating this person. Now they're not over here. And then there's like and- some tension going on, you know. You can only hide so much, I guess, but um, we're all human. All right. So, well, that, I guess, can lead us into some of the the social aspect. I mean, how do you find you've been doing this for some years now? So I imagine that you're having a good time with it. I mean, what's the what do you like about it? And this is something I didn't really notice until I left a little while ago was the family aspect and the just your crew members just turn into your best friends and they know everything about you. And you go through so much together. So right. it's like you're and bonding so fast, right? Yeah. And um, just the work environment because you're there all the time. So you have to have fun. And um, I think on land, it's it's more serious and people don't get to n- try to get to know you as well. But when you're working and living on a boat together, I mean, they know everything. They know your middle name. They know your dog's name. <laughs> I mean, real they conversations. Know where you're from. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, you're creating real relationships and to be able to work with those people and have fun is so rewarding. Once you're all on the same page and you get into this flow and you're just, you're killing charters and you're making money and everyone's happy and, and it's, it's good when everything lines up correct. How's the dating thing? Oh, dating's good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's definitely hard to get on a boat with your significant other. Um, 
but I have a boyfriend and he, we've been dating for three years. So pretty much like the majority of my time in yachting. Um, and he's an officer on a boat right now in England. So he's loving it. (laughs) Um, and so we were on a, we, we were really, really lucky and we've been on two boats together. And so it, it can work and it does work. Um, but there are definitely challenging times you see as couples on yachts where you have to separate work and personal. And sometimes it's not always easy to do when your living room is everyone else's living room in the crew mess. Right, right. I think another important thing to point out is just going back to the pay thing. Obviously, you're living on the boat. I'm guessing meals are provided and things like that. So you don't have a lot of expenses. You're able to save a lot of money, I would imagine, right? Yeah, no expenses. Um, You don't have rent. Uh, They pay for your meals. They pay for even your shampoo, your razors, uh, all of this stuff that, you know, it's it's actually very expensive. And, um, but it's all just a part of the package as being a crew. It's what you sacrifice to, to always be on call for the owners or charters. And, um, it's, it's an amazing way to save money. And that's what's helped me pay off the majority of my student loans and be able to travel at the same time. It's like the best of both worlds. That's fantastic. And, um, what a great time to do it right after school. But I mean, for people that are older and might want to get into this, is it is the age range of the crew? Like, is there a wide age age range of people? Um, yes, I think there is. I mean, uh, you have captains that are older, mates, engineers that are older. Um, stews usually range like maybe up until their 40s and then they can transition to interior manager or purser on, on larger yachts, if you have the right experience. And that's, um, like a lot of accounting, uh, admin background. So there is, there are ways to continue. It's not just for, you know, young people, which I think is just a norm that, and a stigma that would be nice to change because I've always come into the industry and, seeing chief stews tell me that I have to have an exit strategy and I have to get a land job. And, and I just don't think that's necessarily the case all the time. So, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of want to, you know, make sure people know, like, there's not a ceiling, you can make it work. And there's a lot of different people and yachting. And I think that's, it's 2020 and it's really growing. Types of people that I see now. There was one other sort of money related question I forgot to touch on. This is more applicable to U.S. residents because of our wonderful insurance scheme in our country. Um, do you have <laughs> health insurance with these jobs or is that something you pay for on your own? It, it really depends on the owner. Um, you, you have like your workers comp covered. So obviously if you get hurt on the yacht, um, they take care of you. Um, but, you know, if, if you go out and get hurt out, off the boat, um, usually it's not covered. This is um, part of your sort of self-employment. I mean, you have very few expenses, so this might be one of them, it sounds like. It, it, yeah, so I, yeah, I don't really cover health insurance when I'm on the boats because I never know where I'm going to be anyway. So I might be paying for health insurance but then still be out of network 
if I need to go get like my contacts done or, you know, get a teeth cleaning. It's just the amount of money you make makes up for up for that. All right. All right. I want to talk about some travel stuff in a second. Uh, First, I want to talk about the um, working for the rich and famous. (laughs) Uh, I'm guessing there's some famous in there, too. So you're probably not allowed to name names or anything. But I mean, think about how crazy expensive it is to have a yacht and to have all this crew. Is this like a high society? I mean, it sounds like ridiculous to say. Like, what do you say? How do you describe it? I guess I can say it's it's just a different world. Um, right. Because this is a part of your work experience. I mean, you're around this every day. So this is an important question, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's like you, you kind of peek behind the curtain to see how things really are. And um, just the key things, like money isn't everything. That's a, that's a really big thing. Um, you know, money doesn't always make you happy. Um, You've seen that but, firsthand, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but again, like all these people are, I think what's most surprising is how nice and generous they are. You, you think of, you know, the 1% as being really greedy and just, you know, they don't always have the nicest picture painted of them. Um, but they are more than not just like, they're just like little diamonds in the rough. Like they're just, they're very nice people, very generous. Um, they know your name uh, just all those little details, uh, because as much as you take care of them, they take care of you. And so that really shows um, how much they do care. And I mean, we we bend over backwards for these people. Um, anything, we're always anticipating their needs before they tell us. And we're always tracking their daily routines to make sure if they asked for something one day, that it's there the next day. They don't have to ask. Like they should never have to come find you for a drink or or anything really. You need to be there and be present. And it's I almost say it's it's almost like sociology. You're you're observing the guests and you're seeing how they interact and what they like and what they don't like. Who to avoid? <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Um, no, never. So you're not publicly on, on this podcast anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. Yeah. You're always like picking up all those cues and I think they really appreciate it because the whole point of yachting is to outdo those five and seven star hotels. I mean, this is a special, special personalized experience. Um, so everything needs to be perfect. Hmm. Hmm. It sounds yeah. fun. Uh, it, it, it is sounds fun. so um <laughs> yeah it just sounds so i guess for lack of a better term interesting as far as like well being on the work side certainly if you were able to be a guest on a yacht like that and and oh, just see how things course. operate Everyone and wants to be a guest. <laughs> meet everybody and and all that you know when you're on your boat and you have free time are you even able to like where can you guys hang out and not be told to get something right like is it yeah. like you know oh, yeah. Are you allowed to like go up and sun yourself on the deck? I mean, is somebody going to be like, hey, get me an espresso martini? Like, do you actually have a place to hang out? Yeah. So, um, so the bow is usually like the designated crew area. And I mean, like the bottom of the bow. So you have your cabins, um, steerage, you, just like yeah. in the Titanic, right? Yeah. But that's exactly. where the big party happened, where the Irish music's playing, everybody's yeah, it's dancing, fun. you know? Um, <laughs> 
So you have like a little living room with uh, like a sink and snacks and fridges. So it's totally separate from the guest quarters. So if you have um, like a break during the day, you can go into your cabin or if you're on dock, you can go for a walk. You can get off the boat and go for a walk um, or you can just hang out in the crew mess. Um, so there are there are places to relax, but you're definitely not tanning on the sun deck. Right. Yes, are on. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're not kicking back with your martinis. Well, maybe no. you are at some point. No. Travel. What have you been able to do? What are some of the things you've been able to do as uh, as being a part of this industry? I mean, it sounds like that was the number one motivator for you, right? To get into this industry yeah. is you wanted to travel. So, bam, you're on um, a boat. You're traveling. Yeah, I guess the, the biggest thing is you save your money so you can you can leave a boat and be unemployed for months, which is who can do that nowadays. Uh, and you can go wherever you want. So, um, I they think fly you to of, wherever you want, right? Yeah. yeah usually okay. like, well, you, when you sign a contract, you say, this is my home port. Okay. So, so you could say whatever that is. You're like, it's Bangkok, Thailand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Australia. <laughs> right. Um, so my, I think my coolest trip, or my most unique trip, I should say, um, was going to Australia in a van <laughs> with my friends. Uh, so there's a lot of different nationalities that work on the yachts. So some of my closest friends are two crazy Australians from Cairns, and um, they were building out their van and invited me and my boyfriend to come out and follow them in a rental van all the way from Cairns to Melbourne and like the whole East coast of Australia. And I was like, and I really debated for a few weeks about it. I was like, that's so crazy. That's insane. Like who does that? That's crazy. And, but I just woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to do it. Even if I have to quit my job because I was on a boat at the time, I'm going to go. And so I did, I quit my job and uh, flew to Australia and lived in a van <laughs> for about a month. And, and it was it was really awesome because they're locals, so they took us down, I mean, hours down dirt roads where the dash is about to fall off the van, and you're kind of just like, just breathe, it'll be fine. <laughs> Getting our van stuck in the sand, just all those crazy adventures that you can't plan. Or, and I mean, they had solar panels on it; they were totally sufficient. We had a, a shower. Uh, the web griller, we had power. So we really never went into, into the campgrounds. We, we parked wherever we could. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That sounds incredible. The in-between times you have, like you said, plenty of time to travel. Uh, as far as being on the boat, do you get to have some travel experiences while you're working? Oh yeah, for sure. Like, um, I mean, if, if you come into port and you have guests on in a few days and, the boat's ready. Uh, you know, you're only working that nine to five. So unless you're, you have people that stay on watch on the boat and make sure all the systems are working and there's no alarms. But if you're not on watch, you can go out and you can go explore and you have crew days, which are nice. So if you're lucky enough, you have crew days. So, um, you can go explore during the day and, what are some of the highlights, uh, just the one or two things that you've gotten to do just from being a part of the crew where you're like, oh man, this is awesome. Like I'm getting paid right now to. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Bahamas are amazing. Exumas, uh, I've been to Antigua. Antigua's beautiful. 
uh, a lot of Caribbean islands. Um, but I'll give you an example of a crew day. Um, we were in between charters and we took the small boat out, the tender out in the Exumas. And, um, our captain knows all of these really amazing sandbars that just, there's no one for miles and you're in, you know, not even waist deep, just the most crystal blue water you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and you just, you just crack open a Corona and lay in the water and enjoy each other's company. And it's, it's just beautiful. Mm. That sounds yeah. lovely right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you get those little sparkle, those little sparkles in between all of the hard work that, yeah. that help you keep going. Yeah. When you're kicking back with the Corona, looking at the crystal clear blue water, you're like, all right, this is, this will get me through. This will get me through another week on the boat. Any resources you want to share? I know a lot of this stuff happens in, in a great way for you. Just like we said in the beginning, serendipitously and kind of meeting these people. And then I'm sure digging in and figuring out the certifications and all, but, um, you know, obviously a lot of the things you mentioned already on the show, people can look up, you know, are there any other things you want to add to uh, yeah. Uh, so I think if you're first getting into the industry, it's um, always really interesting to look at the Facebook pages. So there's Fort Lauderdale Yacht Crew that has a lot of resources. Um, it's always good to look up there are crew agencies. So if you look up Yacht Crew Agencies Fort Lauderdale and uh, talk to an agent, they can really help you break down what you need, uh, when you should look for a job, because there are seasons where everyone's coming back to this hub and people are switching boats and getting off and getting on. So there's a lot of jobs around those. It's, it's mainly like April and November. Those are like the November, October, September, like those just right in between the seasons are where you'll find the most jobs. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Last question. How many times have you heard lonely islands? I'm on a boat. No, <laughs> too many. Maybe times. when I first got into it, like I heard it a lot, and um, not as much anymore. Actually, okay, yeah, yeah, Should okay. bring it, gets it a back. Little, gets a little, yeah, bring it back, bring it back to the crew. <laughs> That's it. I really appreciate you taking the time to like break all this down for us. And I know when you emailed me, you were just kind of throwing it out there as a subject, not really offering yourself up as a guest, and so. The fact that you're, you know, taking your time to come on and just share this with everybody when you certainly don't have to. And I, I guess you could think, well, hey, this is going to create more competition for me. But it sounds like <laughs> yeah. I, we're of the same vibe. You have an seems to me like you have an abundance mindset where you, you're just sharing and coming on to share that with the community. And uh, it's really nice of you to do that and to, to give people another kind of option to explore if this is... You know, I, I'm sure some people listening right now are like, oh, no, this is like definitely not for me, but this was interesting to hear about. Um, but there might be a small percentage of people that that dig a little deeper. So thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. I always it, it's always something that's really fun for me to talk about. And um, and as far as competition goes, the people that really can't hang don't hang around for long. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so it's always it's always good to invite new people to the industry because they might be really good at it and they might even help you on your crew and create the dream team. So, you know, the more the merrier. There you go. And also for, for you, you know, you talked about people like, like the crew you met originally that kind of brought you into the fold, kind of getting tired of, uh, they, they were surprised to see you because they're like, nobody ever takes us up on this. Well, 
You don't have to waste your breath anymore. You can just point them to this podcast. You can be like, exactly. just go just here. here. Here's the link. Here's everything that I know about this. <laughs> and yeah. um, if you're still interested, then you can come back <laughs> and talk to me. Bam. I just saved you uh, a lot of time. I hope to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a perfect resource. I hope I, I hope I did a, a good job representing the industry because I know it's very small and yeah, I, I will probably get messages. <laughs> you were wonderful. Yeah. Our, uh, Last thing I should say, are, are your parents, are they like, or your, um, your, I guess your media network or whoever is, I guess everybody's used to this now. I mean, that's something we didn't talk about is like you first getting on, we touched on like the dangers and situations, but we never actually talked about that. So I should circle back with one more thing. Are there, I mean, it's like a regular job where you're surrounded by pe- a lot of people and stuff. So it doesn't sound like there are a lot of concerns outside of like safety issues with the boat and stuff. Have you heard any stories, experienced anything? Do you have any advice for people around that kind of thing? Or maybe this advice would just be something that they could share with getting like parent or somebody on board that might be kind of, you know, worried. Uh, It's, I think more now there are some really great YouTube videos out that if you just um, Google Yacht Crew, uh, some people have made some really informative uh, visuals and, and interviews. And so you kind of see where, where they're going to be working, who they're going to be working with, what they're going to be doing, uh, maybe daily schedules. Um, yeah, because when I joined, it was again, like people called it sketchy. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it it would, I think it would have helped, uh, me show someone's a YouTube video for sure. But my parents are just, I've done it so long now, they're, they're happy. They, and then when I say, hey, mom, I'm, I'm going to Bali. And she's like, all right, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're just used to it now. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just used to me like jumping all over the place and, and they're happy for me. So That's wonderful. Um, and for those of you that yeah, might not be getting the support, I always say, you know, if you're doing something that seems out of the ordinary for you to your parents or somebody who loves you and they react in a negative way, I mean, maybe that'll continue, but I would say most people re- will recalibrate to the new situation. They're just not used to their young daughter or son taking off to an unknown land. And some of these people have never left the country themselves. So it's a scary exactly. thing. But they just don't understand. They will get used to it if you keep doing it. I mean, most of them will. Anyway, I can't speak for everybody's parents. But anyway, yeah, so exactly. yeah. So thank you so much. Um, let me know if you ever come through the port uh, here in Oslo, Norway. I'm not sure if you ever... I've just been in the airport and it was beautiful. (laughs) I loved it. I've got to actually go explore. Yeah. If you yacht through here or something, let me know. We'll we'll meet up for one of those espresso martinis. (laughs) Yeah. I'll make them really special for you and try not to drop them. (laughs) I want a boat tour too, if I can get one. So um, yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so Uh, much. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. I'll see you on one side of the world or the other. (laughs) Bye. Bye. There you have it. Thank you so much to Heather for stopping by the show. She was awesome. I love to hear about new ways that I'd never heard about to wander the world and get paid to do it and have a unique experience. Nothing makes life more fulfilling, I think. As travelers, you know this. These unique experiences 
that we seek out, you know, the things that kind of catch our eye or put us in a moment or just put us in a world that we would never get into if we weren't uh, choosing to have that experience. I found myself in that position so many times over the years uh, and particularly through some of my travel jobs, you know, touring around. Uh, you end up in you know neighborhoods, working uh, events in neighborhoods you wouldn't normally maybe spend a lot of time in or have the opportunity to spend a lot of time in, working alongside all different types of people from everywhere, small towns, cities, everything. I mean, you know, it, it, it was just such a amazing part of taking on some of the <laughs> random quirky jobs, some people might describe them. Uh, that I have done. And you can hear from Heather's experience, you know, I mean, this is a good example of, you know, putting yourself into some kind of world that you would never be a part of otherwise. And you could just take those unique experiences for what they are. It's not that every job I've ever done is my dream job or was my dream job, but so many of them gave me such unique experiences and we can all approach even our current jobs in that way, day in and day out. I mean, if you're looking at it with fresh eyes, really. But if you're dissatisfied with your current job, there are a lot of incredible things to do out there that are completely different than what you're doing right now. So be open. This is one thing I wanted to share. I know at the top of the show, I mentioned that I was going to share a little bit around my experience working travel jobs, a few little knowledge nuggets. I'm going to get to that in a second. Plus, we're going to talk about serendipity and a little shout out to you small towners. First, a quick thank you again to Home Exchange for supporting today's show. HomeExchange.com, if you haven't heard about it, it is the number one home exchange community in the world today. 400,000 homes in 187 countries that you can stay in. In 2019, they had 3.3 million nights stayed at Home Exchange. I mean, it's a community of people, and I love the values they represent, responsible travel, authentic travel, all the stuff that we in the Zero to Travel community dig on. Um, You know, this is about fleeing from mass tourism, traveling more responsibly, getting to stay in people's homes and local communities, letting them stay in your home. It's really a beautiful thing. For those of you that may be concerned about uh, COVID, which is totally understandable, they have policies in place for that. And we are going to be traveling globally again at some point, but you could use Home Exchange locally too, right? If you're taking a road trip, you're going a few hours away, you might have some options to stay at people's homes just right down the road from where you live. So don't think it has to be some exotic thing where exchanging homes from people somewhere halfway across the planet, think about some of the traveling you got coming up locally and consider homeexchange.com, really. Just sign up. You can create a profile for free and you only pay the annual membership fee when you make your first exchange. You can get 10% off that by entering the promo code 010. 010. When you make your first exchange, you'll get 10% off that fee. Join a community of people exchanging their homes seamlessly, easily, and without any money changing hands at homeexchange.com. Thanks to them for supporting today's show. They are awesome. Okay. Now, a couple things about travel jobs. First of all, I did mention being open and I think that's important. 
if you're looking for something different in your life, don't be closed off to what some of those things might be, you know? I think we can sometimes get boxed into certain ideas that we have about how things are going to be for us. And it's certainly important to know what you want and set those intentions, but that doesn't mean you can't deviate from that path, right? And this is where serendipity can come in. It ties in with being open. The story you heard Heather tell earlier on in the show was about how she met this yachting crew just at a bar in New York City. She was dissatisfied with her job at the time, was thinking about doing something different, but really had no clue what that was going to be. She was open. She was open to hearing different things and learning and just was being open, open-minded. And <laughs> because she met this yacht crew and had a great time with them, they offered to help her out. And she took them up on that offer and ended up working in this industry and having a blast doing it and being able to get paid to travel. And if she had not been open in the first place, that conversation might have been just another random conversation at the bar, right? The definition of serendipity is the occurrence and development of events by chance in a happy or beneficial way. So if you're open, you can experience serendipity because you're giving yourself the opportunity to take a chance occurrence or event and make it something that's happy or beneficial at some point, possibly. If you're not open, it's just another thing that happens that you forget about, right? So serendipity in itself requires you to be open. So be open to serendipity. And I just wanted to share a little perspective on that. Maybe give you something to think about after the show ends. And a couple things around travel jobs. First of all, if you're going to do something completely different, I've worked at Disney World. I've uh, driven a giant catmobile all across the country. I've slept on a tour bus and tour managed a band. I've done all kinds of random stuff. Some of these things paid well. Some of them paid decent. Some of them paid not so well. What I have found, though, is you are able to save a lot of money or a good amount of money when you are working and traveling. Even if you're working a smaller wage job, for example, if you're a seasonal worker, you're working at a national park uh, and you're maybe not making a lot of money because you're just working in the restaurant in a national park or something like that, just to have a different experience than you would normally have getting to work in a park. The reason why is a lot of these types of jobs either give you accommodations or food or maybe both uh, included in the job. So you're often not paying for a lot of those things. If you think about working on a yacht, I mean, you don't need to pay for a place to live because you're working on a yacht. You don't need to pay for gasoline because you're not driving a car anywhere. You don't even have to own a car. Um, there are all these sort of financial benefits as well, when you can start eliminating what we can call, for maybe lack of a better term, the status quo lifestyle elements of a mortgage, a car, having to pay for gasoline, sitting in traffic and commuting, all of these things just kind of go away. And <laughs> that means you can save more money. So uh, that is one of the sort of big benefits I would say, because a 
being able to save money when I was traveling and working travel jobs allowed me to do more traveling. And also, a lot of these jobs are temporary, which some people can look at as a negative, but I think as travelers, you can look at it as a benefit. So when I took on, a, say, a six-month or a nine-month contract, I knew I would be free after that. So I got to travel while I was working, and then I could travel after that contract if I wanted to, or I could try to pick up another contract, or if I didn't pick up another contract, I could just go traveling, and I had the money to do it. So... Um, just a few things I wanted to share about travel jobs. If you are considering doing something like we talked about today or maybe working remotely for a company in more of a corporate environment, but you get to do it from anywhere, those types of things can have big benefits financially and also from the unique experience perspective and giving you the ability to travel as well. So if you haven't thought about that kind of thing before, those are just a few things to consider. Okay, before I let you go, I got to give a shout out to all of you listeners listening in from small towns everywhere. And this email I got from a listener got me thinking about this. This is from Cindy, who said, I'll read it to you. Hello, Jason. Hope all's well. My name is Cindy. Sending you greetings all the way from Bakersfield, California. I heard your last podcast with Seth Kugel, and you guys gave a mini Bakersfield recognition. I thought that was funny. Anyways, I've been meaning to email you for the longest time. I've been listening to the podcast for about two years, and I look forward to listening to new episodes. It is part of my weekly routine. I started traveling in 2013 and then didn't travel for a few years up until I heard your podcast. And since then, I've been to 15 countries in two years. Would have been more, but COVID. (laughs) She says, thank you for creating such a cool podcast that not only inspires me to keep traveling and exploring, but a podcast that educates me on many things. Zero to Travel has definitely refined my traveling skills from my packing and how eco-conscious I am when traveling now. That warms my heart. Thank you, Cindy. She goes on to say, coming from a small town like Bakersfield, I owe a part of my travels and initiatives to you because you've encouraged me to get out there and explore. Not many people in my town travel as much because once everybody graduates high school, they get a job and get married and bid adieu to any travel goals. Nothing against starting a family, but it is surprising to others here to meet travel junkies like us. You were a gateway to the rest of the world for me, and I'm forever grateful for that. I hope you continue this podcast for many years to come because it's reaching many lives. It might sound a little cliche, but you are encouraging people from small towns to get out there one podcast at a time. I'm excited about my future travels abroad. For now, I get to enjoy the U.S., what the U.S. has to offer. I've been exploring national parks around my state. I feel blessed since I live in California. Thanks for podcasting. and Keep it going. Cindy Flores, you are a darling. Thank you so much. What a sweet email. And, you know, what she said there warmed my heart saying, uh, you know, encouraging people from small towns to get out there one podcast at a time. I never really thought of it that way, but uh, I'm glad to hear that. And uh, maybe there are some other people in this community listening from a smaller town. And, you know, if you feel the same way, thank you. Thank you for listening. And I hope that with this platform, I am serving you uh, well and giving you many options to get out there and travel and providing that encouragement. That's what this is all about. This is a community-powered show This show is for you, and please get in touch anytime and share with me your story, who you're at, what you're up to. Send me a picture from where you're listening. Send me a a shot, a selfie of you, some random location, whatever. I love to see listeners, get emails from listeners. I read them all. Jason at zerototravel.com is my email, and they really make my day. And I told Cindy I wrote her back and just said, 
um, you know, it is really, truly uh, humbling. And it's such an honor to hear that this podcast helped her in this way. And, um, you know, getting these emails is the thing that really keeps me going. Podcasting is a lot of work. I've been doing this for seven years now. And I have no intention of stopping. But sometimes it's hard. (laughs) And I put a lot of love and effort and blood, sweat, and tears into this show. Maybe not blood. Maybe not a lot of sweat. All right, let's be serious. But definitely some tears. And (laughs) really, it's you all that keep this going. Emails like this. Whenever I feel tired or maybe even a little burnt out, I get an email like this. It's like, keep doing this. Don't stop doing it. All right, I'm here to serve you all. And I appreciate each and every one of you spending time to listen to the show and being a part of this community. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. If you want to join the community off the podcast, go to zerototravel.com and sign up because we always have some good stuff going on off the podcast uh, where we can keep in touch. So please do that if you have not done so yet. Okay. Thank you so much. I will leave you with a quote today. This is from Lao Tzu who said, work without demanding in return. There you have it. Have a wonderful day. Peace and love. See you next time. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.